Welcome back to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. I am your host, Dr. Mario Sacasa, and so happy to have you with me today. The busyness of life often makes it difficult to find time to reconnect and rest with my spouse. Often it feels like everything becomes a priority before her. Even when I'm doing good things for my kids or my families, it is hard to take time to stop and to pray together. So how do we fight the busyness and how do we begin to reconnect and make prayer a priority with our spouses? That is the topic of conversation for today's episode. And this episode is the last part of my relationship mini-series. If you've missed the other three, please go ahead and check them out. So joining me today is Jason Angelette, director and my brother-in-arms at Willwood's Faith and Marriage. Jason and I have done a number of Facebook live streams on various topics about life and culture, but this was his first time as a guest on Always Hope. He has written a great program that teaches couples how to pray together called United in Love, United in Christ. So I knew that he was the perfect person to talk to about this. In this episode, we talk about the importance of having both an individual and couple prayer time, why we need more leisure in our lives, how having an established couple prayer time spills over to our children, and the importance of couples going on retreats together. We get into some practical and creative ways of finding time to pray, even in the midst of those busy moments. Once the show is over, head on over to faithinmarriage.org so you can find more information about our upcoming marriage retreats and other resources we have to support you on your faith journey. All right, let's get into this conversation with Jason Angelette. Jason Angelette. Welcome to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you Brother, doing? It is so good to be with you today. Thanks for allowing me to be a part of this show today. Man, I love it. I, it's a gift. Um, we've had the pleasure of working together now for a few months. And mm-hmm. so I'm grateful for these opportunities where our worlds can kind of come together, yeah. at least for a little bit, and we can chat and talk and and hopefully what will be a, a great time for the listeners. Amen. So first and foremost, happy birthday to you. You Thanks, are brother. 40. 40. Yes, indeed. How Thank does that Jesus. feel? It's, uh, it was good. You know, I, I like it. You know, some... Uh, some people I think are kind of afraid of the old age, but I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. It's good stuff. You know, I've heard that 40 is the, um, the, the, uh, old age of youth. So, um, this kind of this, this new decade, this new time. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm good about it. You know, I'm thankful for it. I'm, I, you know, sometimes I think about it, like, I didn't think I was going to make it this far, but I'm here. So <laughs> praise be to God. And I'm thankful, thankful for today and this opportunity. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Now, did you and Drew Brees do something together to celebrate yeah, your 40th right, exactly. together? No, yeah, no, no, no we're pretty close in our birthday. No, no, no. <laughs> I was cheering them on though. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the whole way through. So Fantastic, man. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, the focus for today is going to be prayer and how we can bring that, uh, uh, gift more into our marriages and into our families. But first, before we even dive into that, just tell me a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, how did you get involved in marriage ministry? How long you've been working here at Faith and Marriage? What drew you to it? That good stuff. Yeah, well, that's a long story. <laughs> I, know, I, I think a, a whole episode dedicated to <laughs> God's um, tug on my heart and, and his work in my life um, to bring that answer to, of, of, I guess, justice. But I guess it, it started back with... Um, you know, I just say my wife uh, is is an amazing woman uh, of God, and 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 she really knocked me off my horse. I mean, today is the feast day of the conversion of of Saint Paul, and that story of Damascus being knocked down, being struck. You know, and uh, I, God used her in my life to really knock me down off of my my high horse, um, and uh, and to kind of reorient me to something deeper. Um, it was I was blinded by beauty by her. And, uh, and it, her beauty not only led me to just recognize her beauty, but to, to see God's beauty through her. And so because of that, thanks be to God, yeah. um, it drew me into a deeper relationship with God. And, and uh, it brought me to literally to my knees to to want to go more in, in my faith, go deeper in my faith, to learn more about my faith. And so, you know, during, um, during our, our time together, courtship, um, I, I was just trying striving to learn more about the faith and by the grace of god uh we we ended up actually you know not only getting married which was a miracle in itself thank you jesus but um it just the 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 lord's uh tug on my heart to go deeper in my faith i ended up um leaving my job as i was a a personal trainer fitness director at this athletic club in mandeville louisiana 
Um, great place to work at. It was a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, and that's actually where I met Elise. Um, but the, the call to go deeper uh, uh, led me to leaving the profession. Uh, you know, uh, even though we, I just got this promotion, I just finished my, my undergrad in exercise science and health promotion, um, to leave and go get a master's at the John Paul II Institute on studies of marriage and family at Catholic University. And, uh, and that time for me was like a, a time of detox. Um, I, I wasn't so sure what I was going to do with it, but I, I knew that I needed help uh, to know more. But I, I wanted to, to be healed, um, and I needed a renewing of the heart through the renewing of the mind. And I, and I felt God calling me to, to get this master's degree. And by the grace of God, my wife and I, we went out there and um, got the master's degree, came back and uh, taught high school for a couple years, um, traveled with Catholic Answers, doing some uh, presentations, working with Dumbox Ministries, and then eventually led me uh, to working with Willwood's community, um, which that has a whole story in itself, but they brought me on in 07. And so Elise and I, we've been the co-directors for the Faith and Marriage Apostolate of the Willwood's community since then, providing retreats, presentations, marriage enrichment opportunities, trying to strengthen marriages at parish level. So trying to do everything we can to serve marriages. Because one thing that we noticed for sure was as I was teaching, I noticed um, it was such a... Um, disconnect of the faith of the children that were attending these these high schools in there and I, I noticed that it really it really came out of um, the parents um, unfortunately the parents were just kind of dropping their kids off at the schools and not really taking an ownership or responsibility in the formation of their faith and their children and I thought to myself if I could only reach the parents first that that would really i mean we need people everywhere in evangelization that's right yeah you know we need Chicken just like, the egg here you, yeah you, right you need I mean, both you need both uh, we we need we need people just like uh, in the army we have or in the military's uh, armed services we have you know the marines the navy the air force the army and we need coast guards we need all fronts everybody all hands on deck right but unfortunately, I feel like in, in you know ministry it's almost like you know that passage in scripture where jesus says let the children come to me it's almost we've taken it to the point where Jesus was talking to the children and telling the children, um, let your parents come to me. Like it, we need to realize that it's, we need to be the men of God, the women of God, the parents, the, uh, the formators, uh, formation, uh, formate, um, forming our children in faith and bringing our children to the faith, not our, at waiting for our children to bring our, their parents to the faith which that sometimes can happen and praise be to God when that does, but that's not, I think that's the, that was not the original model, the original intent um, for the gospel to be transmitted. So, so my point though, is that I, I noticed that I, I wanted to really minister to married couples because as Pope John Paul II, as the church has taught, Second Vatican Council, that we, we see the importance of marriage, right? The future of the world and of the church passes through the family. And if the family goes, um, so goes society in which we live. So if we, we could make a radical change in the world and in the church, if we could awaken families, strengthen marriages, that they know who they are, knows know whose they are, and live out that vocation of love in the world that they've been uh, placed in, that it can change so much of the politics, of the of the the the, tr the crime, the challenges, the the lack of uh, response to the true, the good, and the beauty. And come out of that, that having that home to be the place where where children see and witness a love that is radiating the love of God. Fantastic. Thank you for for saying all of that and sharing a little bit about your story and obviously your passion and your encouragement <laughs> and love and desire that you have for serving married couples. And um, as we've talked over the years and as I've heard you speak in, in previous occasions, you talk about many different themes, but I think there's one particular theme that reemerges throughout your lectures and in some ways is, is kind of a call or a mission, I think, that, that God has kind of put on your heart, is always returning back to this notion of prayer in marriage, prayer in family life. Yes. Why? What, oh is, what is so important about prayer? Yeah. What does it do for the individual and what does it do for the couple oh, that prays? Wow, that's that's a great question, uh, Mara. Thanks for asking that. Um, you know, looking to our Savior, um, how many times Jesus prayed? Um, he prayed um, before, not only just before Gethsemane, he prayed before picking the 12. He prayed at the Transfiguration. He prayed uh, before giving the Our Father. He, he prayed throughout his whole ministry uh, on earth. And uh, 
And and that's not just like something that he was just kind of modeling, which he was, but it's it says something about about us, about what we should be doing. You know, we we really promote a lot, obviously, our married couples retreats. And, I, you know, and I, I tell people that, you know, Jesus, when the crowds were pushing onto him in Luke's gospel, um, he would he would retreat to the mountaintop and spend time with the Father in prayer. If you, if you think about it, he's got all the answers, right? He can perform the miracles. Yet he he found himself uh, detached, pulling away, and and making sure that he had this time with the Father in prayer. And uh, and I, it's a reminder that you know before we're human doings, we're, we're human beings. And we need to be present uh, to our Lord and our God, who, whom our strength comes from. Uh, that's that relationship is essential. And and I'll bring it back down. I, I always I love telling the story of Adam and Eve because I think it to me it really it sets the stage of like how, why is God important? How is God important? And in the story right of Adam and Eve in the garden, um, it was this temptation that 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 was placed before them. This this questioning, this doubting of God's love. And when they broke faith, Adam and Eve, together, they were united, like Bonnie and Clyde. Like they, they turned away from God. And the moment that they did it, they saw each other differently. Why, right? Was, was it why? They weren't fighting with each other. You know, Adam wasn't arguing with Eve because he didn't like the dinner the night before. He, you know, Eve wasn't arguing with Adam because he left the socks on the ground again or leave the toilet seat up. Like they, they weren't fighting with each other. What they were, what happened was, is that as soon as they broke faith from God, as soon as they turned away from God, they lost the ability to to see one another rightly, and to love one another rightly. And and so from that moment, that was the hardness of heart due to sin at that moment. And and we have been in dire straits ever since. And when Christ comes, you know, it, he makes a point that his first miracle is not raising Lazarus from the dead is not walking on water is not curing the blind man or 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 any of those it's it's at a wedding that they've run out of wine and and I heard it said that wine was a, a symbol of of God's love in the old testament and they were literally had run out of wine and they and all of us had run out of that wine because of that break in faith in the very beginning and what Christ wants to do is he wants to bring us back in union with the Father. So he becomes flesh, right? And he brings us into this union with him to bring us access back to the Father. He sends his Holy Spirit so now we can love again. And so what, what am I, what, the point of all this? Prayer, if sin was a turning away from God, then prayer, as St. Therese says, is a simple turn back towards heaven. That in his name, in Jesus' name we pray, right? In his name, we have access to the Father. And so in prayer, when the couple comes together in prayer, they have access back to the Father, the Father who is love, the Father who gives us what we need. And so if if we're not praying personally, if we're not praying as a couple, then we are cutting ourselves off again from the source of love, the fountain of life that we need in our relationship. Well said. <clears throat> Beautiful. Um, I'm going to read a quote here, um, piggybacking on what you just said. I think it's a quote that you use as well uh, in your lectures from St. Bernard, mm. referring to uh, reservoirs. being reservoirs and not mm-hmm. uh, uh, channels or um, a canal. So he says this, he says, the man who is wise, therefore, will see his life as more like a reservoir than a canal. Mm-hmm. The canal simultaneously pours out what it receives. The reservoir retains the water till it is filled, then discharges the overflow without loss to itself. Today, there are many in the church who act like canals. The reservoirs are far too rare. You too must learn to await this fullness before pouring out your gifts. And here's the kicker. He says, do not try to be more generous than God. Oh, and I love the quote because he's, he's encouraging a lot of what you just said, which is we can fall into this uh, temptation to overwork, to kill mm-hmm. ourselves. And even in the church, even good people who serve the church uh, fall into this temptation probably more than others. But even those who of us who don't work in the church and have jobs, 
it's just busy right now where mm-hmm. we get up. We were talking before we started recording about getting up early and how hard it is <laughs> because it's, it's man, you know, to get up at 6am or even 530 or something, just to get a 30 minutes in of prayer so that you can then get the day rolling. I mean, it means that you have to go to sleep early, but we usually just wake up, maybe hit the snooze once or twice if we're lucky, or we just get rolling. The day just goes and the day started before we're even, we're even engaged. So taking the shower, getting breakfast, feeding the kids, uh, getting clothes, getting the backpacks, making sure everybody's taken care of. We're out the door, driving through traffic, dropping off this kid at school, driving to the other one, drop off this one at school, keep moving. Now I got to get to the office before I'm too late. Then I got to get the thousand things I got to do at work. Then it's five o'clock. Oh man, what do I need to do? You know, I need to get home. And then, oh, I start already preparing dinner. Oh, dinner's, uh, the homework's got to get moving. Oh, there's my wife. Let me at least kiss her and acknowledge her presence. <laughs> Sounds like you've been here before. Well, I mean, this is life, right? I mean, we're talking about prayer and all this stuff, but this is the yeah. reality is that it's it's yeah. hard to just kind of sneak yes. it in a little bit and so bernard is saying man be a reservoir yeah. what the heck man like yeah. how do how do we be reservoirs yeah. um how how do we try to 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 inculcate you know this this sense of prayer into our lives um so that we are human beings before yeah. we are human doers as you yes. said it to underscore that point again because that that i really that is so true, and that uh, you're right. I, I love to to bring that quote to the front because, you know, we will dry up um, if we do not go back and allow God to fill us. Um, we will be um, feeling overwhelmed. We will feel exhausted. Um, we will feel to the point where we um, are end up giving ourselves, and and we should not be giving ourselves. We should be giving Christ through us. The gift of self that we give is is not us alone. It's it's God through us, right? You know, St. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I live now, not I, but Christ Jesus lives in me. That's the gift of self. That's man fully alive. And and so when when we can abide in that love, grafted on the vine, then in that abiding relationship, we can bear fruit that will last. You know, he who labors without God labors in vain. Um, and so we need to make sure that there is a priority. You know, I heard it said that priorities, the plural form of that was a more of a recent phenomenon. And the original is just, there was only just a singular form of that. It was priority. That we need to have a priority above all to have this relationship, this prayer time with God, that we need to be able to um, find the time, make the time. And then the question is, well, how, right? The practicality of it, you said, is there's so many challenges. And one of the things that I've, you know, I've, this is a, a real struggle for me as well. We, we just started a, a, a nationally, there's this Exodus 90 program that has been, uh, that's been going on uh, since um, the Monday, January 21st. And so it's going to go 90 days. And there's um, a variety of commitments that you have within this Exodus 90 program. One of the things that attracted me to this was not the cold showers, and it was not the giving up of my sugar and my coffee. Why don't you just take a second to actually explain what Excess Ninety is well, for those who, who who don't know? That's a great is. question, and I, I would I would I definitely would want to refer everyone to the website because the, the information is there um, that fully explains the program. From what I understand, it was basically a, a, some seminarians guys wanting to get this uh, this brotherhood together and and realizing that you know sacred scripture says we're iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens his fellow man. And this is a, a, a small fellowship, a fraternity of brothers getting together, um, men of God, to make commitments, to, to pray, to sacrifice, um, to um, asceticism, this, this form of giving up, this self-denial. And, uh, and, and maybe another time, another, another way we can talk more about that, because I've seen a lot of fruit so far in my life from being able to be detached from a lot of comforts that I'm used to. And I find that as I've been detaching myself from these comforts, like the hot, warm showers or, or the, the, the sweets and treats and snacks and desserts and eating at different times and watching that Netflix show and not really going to bed exactly just yet and just maybe watching a little bit more and just not having this control, as by the grace of God, I feel like I'm getting better control, more control back in my life. It is helping me to be a better gift, a better gift to God a better gift of, because I'm, I'm more in possession of myself. And if I, if I have possession of my time back, then I can give it back over rightly to God instead of giving it to other things and giving it to my wife and to my children. So I've already seen, and not, it's not even been a week, a, 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 an advance in that relationship with God and with my wife and with my children. 
So, so Exodus 90 has been a, a blessing uh, and so far. And, uh, and I know we're, we're, I'm just getting into it with my, my fellow brothers who are doing it together, but it is, um, it is a, definitely an, an invitation that has helped me, and this is the point, bring me into a better ability to control and have um, possession of my time so that I have the ability to enter into the things which should be my priority, which is my God, my wife, and my children first. Yeah, the quote that, that you often use in uh, your lectures, and we'll talk more about United just in, in a little bit here, is from John Paul II from the Theology of the Body, where he yes. says, what are the three indispensable so, elements right. of, a, of a marital spirituality? So, uh, so this is from the Theology of the Body, but he is actually quoting uh, from what uh, St. Paul VI wrote in Humanae Vitae for pastoral directives as he's trying to reach out to families, to couples, helping them to understand the challenges in marriage. Specifically, obviously, they're talking about contraception and, and things like that. And there's all kinds of challenges that we face um, in marriage. And so the question is, that how do you face these challenges? Do you lower the bar? Do you go ahead and call good to be evil or evil to be good? Or do you, or do you encourage them on? Because the road is challenging for everybody, where the narrow gate is for everybody. Um, and so what do we do? And so John Paul II was quoting what the response that St. Um, uh, Paul VI said in Humanae Vitae. And he says this, uh, John Paul II, St. John Paul II says that the means infallible and indispensable in forming the Christian spirituality of marriage and family life is prayer, the Eucharist, and the sacrament of reconciliation. That these are the means infallible and indispensable in informing this this community, right? This family of, of life and love, this to be mom and dad, to be husband and wife. Like I need to be rooted, grounded, grafted. I need to be focused, dedicated, committed to a life of prayer and the sacraments so that the fruit, the work that I do, the, the efforts that I, I'm, I'm trying to do in this world will bear fruit because it will be something that is going to be graced and strengthened through prayer and the sacraments that will be guided that will be strengthened be, be enriched how do you find then that this ascetical practices that you're beginning in the last week or so how is that complementing then what jp2 is saying there how is that influencing your prayer life so that's so the ascetical practices of all the sa sacrifices right so like the 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 waking up um earlier than i i than i've i've you know i've tried to in the past but that snooze button just was too tempting you know that getting up at 5 a.m or 5 30 a.m um, and then, and then going right to my knees and entering into this this time of prayer. The first thing I do, right, is this one of the commitments um, that I'm that I've made. And then going in and like taking that that shower, right, and 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 going into the freezing, frigid, cold water and and trying to you know um, to clean, you know, and it's just it's so cold and it's torturous, right? Which it's for like, us in Southern Louisiana, it's been pretty cold the past yeah, couple of days. Like, I mean, like, thirty five yeah, degrees. God bless is, all those people like above Arctic the Mason Dixon us, line because like, it is cold <laughs> down here. Um, I can only imagine. But um, but the point is is that you're beginning the day by entering into the battle. Like I forgot who it said, who said this. Maybe it was even um, Jose Maria Escriva said something like, "You know, when we press the snooze button, we're uh, we already we lost the first battle of the day. You know that the more that we can we can um, fight through those battles and overcome through and through these ascetical practices of denying thyself, you know, and and for a directed purpose, right? As I've been able to do that, I feel like." my my comfort level like i'm i'm used to things being comfortable right i'm uh, having that you know, that um that extra maybe dessert uh in the day or sleeping in or whatever that now that although i thought i was a pretty disciplined guy that once these extra little practices have been put in form before me i'm 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 kind of entering into this this tension in my life in my spiritual life where i've got to endure i've got to got to step forward and as i've been doing that I feel like God has then given me the grace to enter better, enter more deeply into my prayers because I'm becoming less distracted. Like again, the the, the I think one of the things that I've been looking for is a, a more intimate prayer time, and and that first step of the day of putting my knees on the floor first, and while the the day hasn't even started yet for for the family, the house is quiet. There is this peace, and my heart is at, at peace and at rest, and I can go into this prayer like I've never done before. 
And so I'm very thankful for that. So, so yes. So, and, and the better that I can give myself to God, the better that I can enter into these prayers, enter into this relationship, not just check it off the box, but the more that I can do that, the more I'm allowing God to speak to me. And I need to hear him. I need to hear him and tell me where he is in my life and to give him from the heart my problems and my struggles so that I can then be better present to my wife, better present to my kids. Beautiful. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Jason Angelette about spousal prayer. If you like this show, you'll love what I have waiting for you on Instagram and on Facebook. I offer regular reflections on how to find hope and see the gift of faith playing out in our culture. Please check me out at Dr. Mario Sacasa. Asceticism just doesn't make sense in our modern culture anymore. It, it, we live in an age where everything is is primarily dedicated towards comfort, yes. towards getting what we want, because we can. We can get everything that we want. Yes. Therefore, to willingly forego uh, certain things doesn't quite jive with the modern yeah. ear. Um, and sometimes I think we we fall into this judgment of... of uh, like in Monty Python or whatever, you know, the monks, you know, walking around, um, oh, smack, smack, yes. you know, the, yes. smack, two extremes, you know? two right? extremes, right? We can go too much to the other extreme where stoicism uh, can, can, can fall into uh, another extreme as well. But the balance, and I think what, what I hear you saying, which is very beautifully is when I set God as my priority mm-hmm. and then I commit to that and then I, I give up some of these other comforts. What it does actually is it silences the noise a little bit. Yes. It, it makes me more attentive to the various poolings within my heart. Yes. The temptation, or not even temptation, but the draw towards a suite or the thought that says I should go uh, watch a Netflix movie or, or struggle to, to resist the, the binge watching. You know, right, that, that's right. modern, a modern form of indulgence or uh, giving up the, the warm comforts of the shower. All these things, when you give these things up, it, it makes a priority. Um, clear, which is God. And then it also allows you to be able to silence some of those various pullings so that you have more energy and attention that you can direct yeah. towards the Lord. Is, is, is that right? Yeah. I feel like I've been distracted, right? I feel mm-hmm. like I have attached myself to too many things. Yeah. I feel like I have allowed myself to, um, to kind of wander a bit and, and, and I need to have that, that focus because one of the things that I, you know, we talk about on the retreats and I, and I tell everybody, I say, you know, whenever there's tension brewing in the angel at home, I can ask the question, how has my prayer life been? How has our prayer life been, Elise and I? And how have I been helping my wife find her prayer time? And usually one of those are off. And, and you know, the frustrating part is that while I've been able to find time to pray during the day and, and, and get my rosary in and things like that, what I'm noticing about myself is that like, I haven't been able to really enter more deeply into it. Um, I needed, I needed something to kind of get me out of this funk or out of this, this kind of um, un, unfruitful prayer time that I feel like I've been able to, I've been, I've been struggling with. And the, the point of that is because I've been so tired. I've been, I, I get tired in my prayer and then I get distracted uh, by the things that are going on. And so I feel like some of these detachments turning off, the um, the uh, the you know the social media which has been you know really fruitful, uh, turning off the the Netflix, turning off the TV, um, and and having this kind of more disciplined. I'm going to bed at this time. I'm going to wake up at this time. That has given me a better presence in my prayers. So it's not just the the thing that I just pray, but that I have this engaged prayer time. And because of my lack of energy or because of my distractedness, I have not been able to really take advantage of that opportunity. I mean, imagine sitting in a classroom, having this amazing professor, you know, pouring out his heart and his mind of all these beautiful truths, but the whole time you got a YouTube video and phone that you're looking at the whole time. And, and you know, you're not engaged. And I feel like the these things have kind of taken away some of my engagement. So this is kind of personally just where I've been. No, it's great. The- Coming to mind here is the workout analogy, uh-huh. um, which is yeah, you go to the gym and you kind of just meander and piddle a little bit. I'm going to do this set You're over here. Gym. I'm in the gym. Hey, I'm in the gym and I'm working yeah, out. I'm doing I've got something. My dedicated time. I'm here. 
Yeah. And it's helpful. I mean, you're going to yeah. get something done uh, if you don't hurt yourself, but you're right. going to get something done. But then maybe you, you watch a, a few YouTube clips or you start asking guys at the gym or you get a personal trainer mm-hmm. who can really fine tune the mechanics of your exercise. Yes. And that's when you start really seeing growth. That's yes. when you start maximizing your efforts. Yeah. Um, so it's not just about the practice. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to fall into this sort of Pelagianism. Uh, God obviously blesses us. He loves us. Even if we're not praying, quote unquote, perfectly, don't, don't, don't confuse. That's not the message that I'm trying to get across here. But if there is an invitation by God for our own hearts to, to, to brush up, so to speak, those distractions or, mm-hmm. or uh, to, to fine tune some of the, the, the fluff and cut some of that so that we can be a little bit more targeted and directed with our prayer. Yes. I think that's the invitation that he's asking, not out of judgment, not out of a perfectionism, but quite the opposite out of love because yes. he, he desires the fullness of our being yes. and he wants nothing short of that. Yeah. Um, and again, that's no judgment to, to, to Netflix or, um, or any of those things. One has to discern within themselves, like what are the things that are pulling me away? Yes. And for some people it is distraction because of social media or distraction because yes. of too much entertainment. For some people, it could be the opposite. Mm-hmm. And where I tend to fall into personally is 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 I'm a workaholic, mm-hmm. and and I often equate the two. In if I'm doing what I need to do and killing myself at work, then then God loves me. Right. Um, and 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 maybe that's a it's a little too that's that's a little too harsh. That's not completely valid with my experience. But but at times I can fall into that where where for me overworking is 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 my temptation. Yes. Um, and so I, I know that about myself yes. and I try to set really firm limits and boundaries on when I'm on and when I'm off mm-hmm. um, because the temptation always is for me to, to overextend myself um, and to confuse the, the, the two, so to speak. Yeah, to enter and to rest. And that's a hard thing because we, as, especially guys, right? I mean, I'm sure women have that, but I'm speaking as a man, right? Sure, we're two men I'm, talking two here, men so talking that's, here. that's what we're so doing. I'm speak out of my experience. <laughs> that's right. It's this, this definite, um, you know, nose to the grind, the job is at hand and let's get it done until it's done. And it's so hard to be able to break out of that, to pause for a moment and say, okay, the, the job's done for today and I've got to go home and I've got to be present to my children and I've got to be able to turn it off in my mind that, you know, it's done and the day is over and I need to, I need to move on to this rest with my, with my family. And one of the, I think, a, a practice to help with that that's helped me is that uh, is the Sabbath rest? Is that um, I was challenged? Uh, you know, when when Elise and I were first married, you know, I was trying to grab every minute I could to read anything that was placed in front of me on the faith. I wanted to grow in my knowledge, which is obviously a beautiful thing, right? Gorgeous. We should all we should all try to grow. But I was to the point of like it was becoming where that was my time that I was wait spending more most of my time during doing that, and I had I'd been challenged on Sundays to even take a rest away from that, to put the books down, to put the studying down and to be present. Don't, uh, don't work, uh, in the yard, right? If you're, if that's pulling you away from your family, don't try to, you know, if you can, you need that rest. Like the, it's Hebrews chapter four, verses nine through 11, you know, the, the Sabbath rest still remains, enter into that rest. And so what, what's helped me, and I love what the Archbishop did when uh, at the very beginning that he became the Archbishop of New Orleans, Archbishop Gregory Amon, he made a point to tell all the Catholic schools, stop doing things on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's a day of, of family and faith. You know, uh, they, they should be going to the parish and going to mass. And, and so we need to stop trying to take away that opportunity from them, which was beautiful that, that it's, it's to, we need to reclaim the Sabbath rest and enter into that rest. And I think that once we realize that we can enter into that rest better on the, on Sunday, then during the day, there's going to be a time in the day that we need to enter into a rest that we need to put the, and I think that once we realize that we can rest, I think that our, our work will be fruitful in that. There's a great story of a, it was during, I think it was World War II and, and this um, production the company, or they were doing some kind of like uh, producing planes or something like that. And uh, they were asked to produce X number of planes or whatever. And, uh, and they were insistent on not working on Sunday. And it was, it was a very tense moment. I mean, this is during war, but they were insistent on not working on Sunday. And not only uh, were they able to not work on Sunday, but they were able to meet the quota that they need to meet, but exceed it. And, um, and so there's, there's this trust in God. Uh, I, I heard it said that the number 666 is a 
is, um, you know, that we hear in the Old Testament of this evil number, this mark of the beast and all that. But one of the things I heard was that in, in the Aramaic, there's no superlative. So there's no the, like good, better, best, right? And so if you really wanted to make your point come across, you would say it three times. Like that was like this kind of emphasis put on. Like in, the, in Genesis, uh, the Lord says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Fruitful, multiply, fill. That's the same word in a sense being repeated um, to make that point, right? So when we see 666 being repeated, it's what's so dangerous about it is, is that the, the six never becomes a seven. The seventh is the day of rest, is that the Lord's day. We were made for the Sabbath, right? Um, to, this, to enter into our Lord's rest. And so what ends up happening is, is that we get so caught in the grind that we keep working, we busy, busy, busy ourselves so much that we distract ourselves in something that is possibly good. The work is a good thing. That's it's right. not a bad That's thing. Right. But we get distracted by this and caught up into this. And because of that, we don't enter into God's rest and we labor in vain and we run ourselves ragged. We run ourselves to the bone and um, fingers to the bone and, and we, we run dry and we haven't become that reservoir. We're in that rest. We don't realize that in that rest, it's something is happening. We are gaining something. We are obtaining something, but we don't see the value in that. We think that we need to like clock in, get the job done, what's produced at the end of the day. There it is. I feel good about myself and clock out. Like when we enter into that rest, God is blessing us. We're letting go and we're being reminded again of who we are and whose we are. We're his children. We, when we go to prayer, when we go to rest, we're giving God permission to be our father. Amen. Amen. Here's a quote from a German philosopher, Joseph Pieper, not to be confused with pop star Justin Bieber, two very different individuals. <laughs> but uh, he has this great quote where he says exactly what you're saying here. He says, uh, leisure is only possible when man is at one with himself. Mm -hmm. And we often overwork to justify our existence. Yes. Yeah. Do we believe that we're enough? Yeah. And do we believe then that the time that we have dedicated for work is enough to only work for six days or five days and then have a weekend is really sacrificial because the temptation's always there to say, I got to give that little bit more. I got to yeah. give the whole thing. I got to give seven days of the week yeah. towards productivity. But it's, it's one, it's counterproductive, as you said, that went out without that built in rest. Uh, we're going to kill ourselves. We're going to wear ourselves out. We're going to be dry. Uh, canals and not the full reservoirs that St. Bernard is encouraging us to be. But I think that for myself, I can speak for myself when I really understood what Sabbath meant. Mm -hmm. It was really a question of faith. It yes. was like, yes, exactly right. Can trust. I trust? Can I really get done what I need to get done in this time? And can I really give to you a full day yes. where I don't have to think, yes. where I don't have to do, where I can just be with you? Yes. Can I really let that day go? Um, and, and it is, it's a question of faith to really Sabbath, to really rest, to yeah. really, to really sacrifice that it, it, it is a trust. It's, it's at the end of the day or the end of the week. It's like, we're, we're giving what we did over to God and say, God, I, I, I give it to you because like you said, I, I, I mm -hmm. like who, who is giving you the strength to do what you're doing? Who is giving you the grace to do what you're doing? Where does that come from? Where does that strength come from? Is it from yourself? And if we think that it's that we are on our own, making it happen by our own willpower, our own strength, or pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and getting the job done, then we, we've forgotten, again, that relationship of where God is meant to be in our life. Like, yes, we're called to work. Yes, we're called to, but we need to remember where that source and that strength is coming from to be able to accomplish whatever it is that we're doing, whether we're a lawyer, a doctor, a, a, a janitor, a garbage truck, you know, wherever we are, wherever our career leads us, we need to have that power and that strength that's coming from God. And so we realize at the end of the day, it's not my work, it's God's work through me, whatever that is. And so we need to be able to find to be able to surrender that in trust. And that's, a, you're right. It's a trust. I think when we talk about so many different struggles in faith, I think it boils down to the question to that, we, that God is asking all of us, do you trust me? Do you trust me that I'm with you? Do you trust me that I can be there for you? Do you trust me that even though that you might not see my plan completely laid out before you, 
Will you take that step in faith and trust? Yeah. And that's why the ethical practice is back to this because I really want to nail this down. Isn't about working. It's not, yeah. it's not a, a me overdoing me showing to God that I can give up the no. warm shower, that I can give up this. No. It's not about that at all. It is about fine tuning. It is about letting go yes. of those things that are distracting us and pulling us away from really being able to receive that yes. conduit of grace within us. Yes. That's what asceticism does is yes. it, it helps to silence the noise and to let go of things that need to be let go of so that we can enter more freely, more deeply into our relationship with God and, and learn how to trust him. Um, it, I want to touch on something. In one of your recent At The Heart videos, you talked about your mom and how she was an instrument for you in teaching you how to pray and in learning that from a young age. And that's something that's been a, a, a legacy. It's, it's, it's carried over into your own children. Would you mind sharing that story again just yeah. here on the podcast? So uh, my, when I was, I was uh, six years old when my, my, my mom passed away. Um, and, uh, that, you know, that was, uh, you know, obviously a very, very tough time. Um, and one of the things that I, I reflect back on, you know, years later, uh, my mom taught me my prayers. I remember, like it was yesterday, kneeling down next to my bed, um, and my mom leading me through the prayers, you know. And uh, and so when she died, I, I I kept going back to those prayers that I would pray, and I don't know if it was because of a, you know, this was this was something that she taught me. And so I wanted to kind of like be mama's good boy, you know, and, and do what mommy had asked me to do. Yeah. Um, or if, um, if, you know, that was a way that like, it was a memory that we had together. And so I wanted to kind of continue that memory um, with her. But, um, but by the grace of God, uh, I, I never let go of that practice of prayer. Now I wandered far off the mark, off of track, uh, of where God was asking me to be in my life in, 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 in many ways. But, but strangely enough, by the grace of God, I, I would still come back to prayer. No matter how far I went, I, I, I continued to pray. Um, and, uh, and I believe by the grace of God, it, it was those prayers that really helped me to remain open um, to the day when, when God would um, knock me off my horse, um, that I, that that practice and that 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 importance that like that aching that longing that echo that still remained that loving patient father who was calling me back in those prayers uh, to come back home and um, and it was in my hunger it was in my hunger for love it was in my hunger for for um, for something more in this life that continued that prayer on my knees asking God for the help that I needed that brought me home. Um, so I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I'm so thankful for that prayer. And so I just, I mean, so many things I guess I can say about that. One would be definitely parents, please, no matter how young they are, please lead your children in prayer and not just like in family prayer, but I remember that, that intimate, it was me and mom kneeling down next to each other. And I know for those who have big families, that might be kind of hard, but to find that time to just kneel down next to them and on the, uh, by the bed, uh, by the cross and, and to say some prayers with them, to make, to make sure to instill in them this habit of before they go to bed every night to go down into prayer and to give God that praise and, and just to kind of refocus. And, and so I feel like as far, as far off as I went, I think, I, I, I think those prayers almost kind of gave me like this, this extra uh, anchor of hope in the storm um, that whenever things got bad and whenever I was hitting rock bottom, uh, my, I knew ultimately where I needed to go was into prayer. I couldn't have articulated that out, right. but it was, it was in those prayers that I, I, you I felt that subjectively. I, you I knew yeah, you had that in you. I had this experience yeah. and, uh, and I was, I was going back to it. So, um, so one, I would definitely say the, the, the power of prayer and that constant prayer was and that habit of prayer is just, man, so, so, so important. And, uh, and I, and I think I'm, I'm so thankful for my mom for, for teaching me those prayers and how much of a lasting impact that had on me. Yeah, it's very encouraging for parents to to be reminded that, hey, like they may not be getting it, but they're getting it. And, uh, and they're gonna need those prayers later in life. This is Dr. Mario Sacasa again, and I'm taking one last break in my interview with Jason Angelet on spousal prayer. Now would be a good time to pause and thank God for the gift of our spouse or our future spouse or whatever vocation that we're in. 
If you're single, praise him for the gift of your singlehood. If you're celibate, praise God for the gift of your vocation. Let me just take a second and praise God for the gift of life. Thank you, Jesus. Um, all right, so thinking about yourself and conversion, I had a conversion also in college here and uh, thinking about people who are listening to this, maybe there's some couples that are dating or, or newlywed couples that are listening to us and they're like, man, this is awesome. This is great mm-hmm. stuff. Or maybe the couple's been married for a few years. You're like, wow, this is really great. Um, but I don't know where to begin. Yeah. W- what's a great place to just start uh, in relationships? You know, it's, it's so important to, to find a way, right, to, to find your prayer style together as a couple. Um, you know, when you're dating, um, prayer is, I think, is that was beautiful when Elise and I were dating and then and, and, and in our engagement, you know, we would, you know, adoration time together, you know, before dates. Um, we would sometimes uh, when we were, you know, engaged, I remember going to, to a, um, a morning mass once a week and we would go, there was a 6.30 a.m. mass at St. Peter's. And then we would go over to uh, get some uh, breakfast together, and, and then and then we'd go to work, you know. And that 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 morning, early morning mass time, and that early breakfast that gave us a great start for the day. And just it was, I look, I really look forward to doing that as a as a couple. And um and so yeah, to kind of build that habit of prayer is 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 important, you know. And and one of the challenges though is that you know, m- you know, my wife and I we're we're kind of opposite when it comes to styles of prayer. Yeah. I I'm very traditional uh, in my prayers. I love, I love the rosary. You know, the church has, has said, you know, so many amazing, beautiful things about the rosary of, of the, no, you know, no other prayer has been attributed to so many miracles as the rosary. And as St. John Paul II said, how beautiful the family that recites the rosary every evening or, or um, just if you want to bring peace into your homes, then pray the rosary. Like all these these promises and these these words of conviction to us, to the faithful, to to turn ourselves to the rosary. Um, but for my wife is a little bit more charismatic. She she loves you know singing and she loves. Um, I, w- I would love to sing too, but I, I don't know if I can, you know, not carrying a tune in a Does bucket. Does she pray to, the rosary in tongues? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know, for the little different charismatic and stuff like that. So but that's fine. That's fine. Absolutely. It's, it's not about changing your prayer time. It's about making y'all's prayer time, or you guys, or however you want to say it, uh, the prayer time together as a couple, right? So I still have my prayer time is my prayer time, but mm-hmm. I need to not just have my prayer time. I need to have as a couple... I need to have our prayer time together and make that a priority. So what we got to do is we got to figure out a way that as a couple, we can navigate through that awkwardness of finding that prayer time together. But just because it's awkward or challenging or difficult, that doesn't mean uh, that, you know, that you, you shouldn't do it. I love, we have a great presenter, uh, for, they, they speak on our retreats and they're in the United in Love series and they're in the sixth uh, uh, session, uh, uh, author and Shirley Dupre. And they're they talking about their difficulties in their prayers. And he was very similar, like where he has his prayer and she's like, he's like, she would just go on and on and on. And like, would she ever stop? You know, and like trying to find this, this couple time together and what that looks like. And, but the fruit of that, you know, if, if you can kind of stay committed to that as a couple, how beautiful it is. And, and we have found as a couple that, you know, there's certain types of prayers that we love. So we kind of rotate things. You know, certain days we'll pray the rosary together as a couple. And certain days we'll do things like uh, something a couple taught us called a trip. And a trip is an acronym that stands for adoration, praise. Um, the R can either be reflection or repentance. I is intercession, and P is plan. And so you. So what was what was the T? Say the, again. I'm sorry. Is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So, okay. So uh, adoration, Thanksgiving, reflection or repentance, intercession, and plan. Thank you. And so in that in that trip, you you take let's say the gospel for today, you know, or the the first reading of the day, or the responsorial psalm of the day. And you you read that first, and you kind of enter into this formula of of her and I taking turns um, adoring the Lord, just giving a moment of thanks, um, and then something from the scripture that we're reflecting on, something that we want to pray for individually that we can announce, make those prayers together, and then we we say our our, our plan of the day or how we're going to take that gospel reading and and try to implement that in our in our life, um, not just like for this year for this week, but like just. For that day, if that's in the morning or the next day, like maybe there's something in the scripture that's calling you out. So it's it's really a great way to kind of immerse yourself into the scripture as a couple, but to have this time to where you kind of, you get to kind of peer into her heart a little bit, right? What is she praying for? What's on her heart right now? 
And then that could be my prayer, you know, knowing her, her plan for the day, not just of like this this kind of spiritual movement that she wants to make for the day, but like what are what's her plans? What where is she going? Is she taking the kids to the doctor's office? And so then I know the next day when that appointment is. And so I can set my watch and make an announcement to remind me to say, hey, Jason, uh, Elise is taking the kids to the doctor's office. Please say a prayer for Elise. The kids will be cool and, and fun and fine in, in the uh, in the waiting room. Nobody will, you know, draw too, it won't draw too much attention and all. But, um, and, and just to kind of keep her in my prayers during the day. And so the, and then the kids and Elise can know what my day is like. So I've got this meeting going on or I'm, I'm recording for this podcast that they can then, you know, make that a part of their prayers for the day. So it's a way to kind of unite the couples together too. It, so it's been very fruitful, you know, um, and we've, we've heard a lot of great feedback from couples who have gone on the retreat and we kind of walk them through this formula because they, they say, Wow, like this is something concrete, right? This is something that that gives me an, an idea of like what this you're saying couple prayer time, and I'm not sure what exactly that looks like. You're giving me a, a structure that's helping me to do that, and I think just like anybody who picks up the guitar, you kind of learn other types of music first before you can kind of create your own. Before you become comfortable with the guitar or the piano to kind of like do something on your own, something creative and spontaneous spontaneous. Um, sure about that. Exactly. <laughs> Ever since uh, there was a movie. Anyway, um, but the, to be able to, uh, to take that time to kind of from the heart, pour out that spontaneous prayer of praise uh, that you can do from your own memory, from your own heart uh, and, and putting into your own words. And so it's, it's, it's a practice. It's a, it's something that is been difficult because obviously not only you have the challenges of trying to work that out, but also the work that on the schedule and, and trying to make the time for it. And so that's, again, the priority of setting this, setting the, the, the president to say, we're going to pray at this time before we watch that show at the end of the night, before we write, as soon as the kids go down into bed, like that's one of the things I like to use actually. I said, okay, kids, time for bed. Mommy and daddy are going to say our prayers together. So they know if they try to come down for the umpteenth time, I say, look, guys, mommy and daddy are praying. So it doesn't look like if, if we're like focusing on something else, they just look like to them, they just think that we're available and we can, you know, hang out and continue the night. But if, if we say to them, no, y'all know how important prayer is for us and we're entering into prayer right now and we need this time, mommy and daddy need this time, for, for to enter into uh, this relationship with God together. And so it's a witness to them too that, oh, this is a priority, right? And that this is something that couples do, that the, that mom, mommies and daddies do that gives them the grace to try to be a better husband and a better wife, to be a better mom and better dad. Wonderful. All right. So uh, for people who are listening, where to begin? Well, first having a conversation with your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, and being able to to determine kind of what you want out of prayer and what they want out of prayer and trying to meet each other's different styles. And there's one spirituality. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. But that there are different expressions within that. God gives us a breadth of personalities and in a different ways of being able to commune with him, certainly in that. So being able to respect one another and your differences that are there and honoring one another, but then trying to find places where there is commonality, going to adoration. Wonderful doing the A-trip exercise that, that Jason just spoke about. And then the other thing that I want to add, um, we've spoken about already, is, is doing a marriage retreat together. Yeah. Um, I know you love marriage retreats. Obviously, you've been part of them for, for many of years. What, what are you seeing as, as the fruit of that? Oh, my goodness. And couples who, who take the time to do a, a yearly retreat. You, you always have great questions, Mario. And I, as I've listened to your podcast many times. And you'll ask these great questions and, the, and your guests will be like, how much time do I have? You know, <laughs> So, yeah, how much time do I have, brother, to, to explain this? So, Dr. Mario, thank you for your question. Um, so the retreats, I cannot stress enough how an amazing grace it is for couples. Um, it's, it's your vacation from your vacation, right? You know, you, you, you plan a vacation, you try to take that time off, you go out and by the time you get home, you're so exhausted that you thought that this time of rest was really a time of work and you, and you don't come back really nourished. And I think part of what that is speaking to is that call for that spiritual rest um, that we're both physical and spiritual, and, and we need to make sure that we're finding that time to break away from the noise um, at least once a year and to enter into that rest together as a couple where Jesus, he would go on that mountaintop like we talked about. This is an opportunity for couples together where the two have become one to enter into that rest on that mountaintop. And so what we find is, and what I've noticed personally and what I've seen over the years of doing so many retreats, that regardless of how young or old the couple is, how many years 
um, they, they may be married. We all need this opportunity. I have seen so many and have, you know, copies of so many evaluations from so many people that have said so much about how this has impacted their relationship together, whether they have been all about the faith and they're just looking for that extra little thing, or if they barely have done hardly anything and they're realizing, why am I even here? Then they come home from the retreat relaxed and rejuvenated and refreshed and recharged and all these words to kind of pick up this idea that like, wow, I found some strength that I needed. And it has brought me kind of into a, a better focus than maybe than I had before. It reminded me of some important things, some priorities that I had set aside, and it's helping me to reprioritize my life, my relationship with God and my wife. It's amazing what I've seen by the grace of God. And, and so I, I encourage everyone, regardless of where you are, you can come on down to the South. We got some amazing accommodations yes, for couples. Do. Say one of the best in the country, but you know, might be partial I, to that. I agree. I've done marriage retreats all over so, and yes. hands down, I think the accommodations that we have Praise God. are so, great because it actually just starts by having a, full size queen bed. Yes, we the, so not only <laughs> like, we're, we're not just trying to accommodate the spiritual side of things, we're also we've got great physical accommodations. Yes. You've got I mean it looks like a 4 or 5 star hotel it's room, beautiful. you know. Yeah. And uh and the food is phenomenal. So we 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 do not um want to skip on anything. We want you to come and to be uh to be refreshed uh, physically and spiritually. And so finding giving couples uh, this opportunity has been just a, such a blessing. And it's not that it's a one-hit wonder. It's meant to be this amazing opportunity in the year to get that vitamin B12 shot or whatever you want to call it, to get back on the road. I tell everybody, you know, like uh, two analogies I give to start the retreat. I say, you know, a retreat is is like in the, in the middle of a football game, you've got halftime, right? And regardless of whether you're winning or losing, it's always good to get away from the crowd, away from the noise, to find that quiet room to talk about what's working and what's not and to get back on the field and win the game. And we need that time of rest. We need that time to, to refocus, to reconnect with each other and with God and to get back on the field and win the game because we're in a fight and we're in a battle and we need to be refreshed and we need to make sure that we have the right orders that we're marching with. Another way of looking at it is like a, is like a garden, you know, um, uh, down here in the South, you know, we, we love our gardens and, and it's easy to grow things. Unfortunately, I still find ways of killing things in my garden. Um, so, but the thing about the gardens are that you, you have this, you know, let's say this one weekend that you spend working on the garden, right? You've been putting it off for a long time. You're like, okay, today's the day. You get the soil, you get the, the mulch, you get the right kind of plants because you did your research. You did full sun, partial sun, you know, all that. You've got all the right things. You got it all planted. You put it together, you water it, and it looks phenomenal, right? But if you don't go back to that garden, no matter how hard you work that day, that weekend, no matter how much money you spent, which you can spend a whole lot of money, okay. that's, a, that's a business right there. If you don't go back to the garden, and you, if you don't water that garden, if you don't, you know, nourish it and cherish it and protect it and remulch it and resod it and prune it and work at it, it, it is not going to be what it's meant to be. And and when we get that garden, we don't want it to just stay like it is, right? We want it to actually grow. We want it to blossom. And the same is true with our marriage. God put us together and he doesn't want our love to just remain as it was on our wedding day. He wants it to grow. He doesn't want us to to survive the years. He wants us to thrive in our relationship together. And by doing that requires us to work at it, to rest in it, and to be filled by our Lord and to follow his plan so that we can truly be what we're called to be. How can people access this? Where do they go oh, to God. try to get on the retreats? It's a great, a great place. Uh, you can find some awesome stuff too by Dr. Mario Sacasa. It is faithandmarriage.org, faithandmarriage.org. Um, we can go and click on the retreats. You'll see we've got a, a variety of retreats. Some of the things that we've been doing too, family retreats. We've done a few of those in November. We have a family retreat. Now this is this is amazing, and I, and I haven't really made any big announcement yet. So this is like our my first, I guess, media push really on it versus it just being on the website. Do we need a drum roll or drum something roll. here? <laughs> well, this family retreat, regardless of how big or small your family is, it's just fifty dollars for the weekend. So couples will be able to have the accommodations at the Christian Life Retreat Center. The children, the youth and the teens will be able to stay at Camp Abbey, which are really nice. And then we have uh, Brian Butler with his Dumb Ox crew um, leading the teens. We'll have a, a, a youth track for the, uh, the children ages 7 to 12. 
and we'll have the married couples and we come together at times where we're a family and we have opportunities for growth and enrichment as a family. And then we break up into our little groups. We come back together as a family. We break up again. We come back together as a family and we leave united. And it's it's so beautiful. We've done this a few times, but this is going to come uh, the second week in November. So you can sign up for that. Um, we also are, are promoting um, parishes, church parishes to sponsor weekends. So this is a way that we can serve better the parishes and the parishes I think can help better serve their couples by offering a married couples retreat just for them. So this gives the couple a chance to hear about a retreat that maybe they might not have heard about it before to be invited in a special way that maybe they weren't invited by it before and a way that a parish can really grow in a, in a way that maybe they, they, they haven't seen yet. Like I give an example on one retreat that we did uh, for a parish, it was Divine Mercy in Kenner. And there was a couple that was on the retreat that um, did not, was not from that parish. They, I, I, I kind of snuck her on because I felt bad telling her no, that she couldn't come. And she kind of got into it before the parish had sponsored it. And I didn't have the heart to tell her she couldn't make the retreat. So um, so she ended up coming on the retreat. And very soon afterwards, they they knew that she wasn't part of the weekend, but no, they didn't care. They were, it was all good. Right. So at their, their, there's times where there's quiet couple time and there's times like in meals that there was like a social aspect. And, and this community of, of believers, these, this, this group from that saint uh, from the uh, divine mercy parish, they, they had this, this uh, fellowship together as a already with these group of couples. So when you were on the retreat, it was, it was like you were with friends and it was just a, it was a great place to be. And by the end of the retreat, I was asking everybody, hey guys, what are y'all walking away with, right? Not not like share your heart, just kind of, what are you walking away with? What did God give you this weekend? And and at the end of that that little session, the last couple to say something was the couple from a different parish, the couple that had kind of snuck on and was participating in this parish. Yeah. And the the woman has tears in her eyes and she she basically said that she wanted this, that she's walking away with this community that that really touched her. And she says, if y'all do this again, can y'all invite me again? Can y'all invite me back at, on it? Because she she saw this this community that was coming together, that was supporting marriages, that was that on the same page. And, uh, and she wanted to be a part of that. And I think that we, in our church parishes, we need to do that more. We need to find ways of being a community that's building up marriages, that's bringing couples together and serving them so that they can go back home and be the couple that they're called to be, that they can be this, this force of, of, of love and of faith in the world, in their communities, in their work. And to have that place, though, that they can go to to be refreshed and renewed and to be rejuvenated and to be encouraged by other brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Well, anything else you'd like to plug as we're coming to the end here of our show? Well, we've got great resources out there on our website. Please check us out. Uh, social media, we've got Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. We've got our At The Heart videos. And, um, and we're obviously looking for comments and feedback from that. Obviously, I'd love to plug what you're, continue to plug what you're doing to yeah. get, and encourage people when you hear this um, to, to, to not only pray for our ministry, because we're, we're always looking for people to pray for this ministry and for all other ministries, especially those working in, in marriage ministry, but to also um, to, to encourage people to, 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 to share these things, to listen to these types of uh, opportunities um, to, to grow and deepen their relationship with, with God and with each other. Fantastic. All right, Jason, final question. What gives you hope? Well, I, I knew you since I'm you know, a fan of the show, I, I knew you were going to ask that question. And I, I meant to ask you that question before you asked me that question. And you know what? I'll, I'll ask this too. I want to say this, that the, for whoever's listening at the end of the show, I, I want it like when the show's over, ask the question for yourself, what gives you hope? Because I remember as I'm, I was listening to your show yesterday, uh, as I was coming home from work, I was like, okay, Mario's going to ask me this question and I got to have an answer. And then, and, and it's, there's just so much I want to say about it. So, so you're gonna have to have me back on and I can tell you what my answer is, but no, but I'll, I'll say this, obviously what gives me hope is our Lord, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, our our faith is amazing and the love that our God has for us is amazing. Mm -hmm. The patience that he has for me gives me, gives me hope. The, the, the love that I I see from people living out the faith gives me hope. The, um, the, the, the saints who have gone before us, who have shown such a great, amazing witness of the hope that we have in Christ gives me hope. And you know we're gonna we're gonna live in a in a world that's gonna always bombard us with all kinds of storms, and and we need to make sure that we're keeping our eyes on that witness of hope in these dark storms. That that if we if we my wife talks about you know in her her blog that she writes and and, and the struggles that she's dealing with, you know there's there's a the gaze 
we need to glance at the problems and gaze at Jesus. And Jesus, when we do, we keep our eyes on Christ, we can walk on water. And when we allow the, the, the deceiver to f- take our focus and put it on the problems and on the deficiencies and on the, the, the challenges, the anxieties of life, we take our focus off of our hope and we put it on the things that will make us sink. We need to know that hope is out there. And, and I find hope in, in our Lord. I find hope in, in faithful followers of our Lord who are willing to sacrifice to, to do and to be who they're called to be. Amen. Thank you, Jason, for being here on the podcast. I appreciate the conversation. Bless you, I hope it's blessed the listeners. Um, and I hope it's blessed you, man. So have a great day. You too, brother. Thank you. And you too, give me hope. And I appreciate it. <laughs> Amen. Be good. Another great show is in the books. Thanks so much for listening. But before you go, I wanted to take a few minutes to answer a question from a listener. I received questions on the Ask Dr. Mario tab on faithandmarriage.org backslash always hope. And so here is a question from one of my listeners. Question is, how do you start the difficult conversations? We've been married for a long time, but there's one thing that my husband never wanted to talk about and has always had trouble with. It's finances. I'm frugal and he's not. We have survived because I'm frugal, but it seems like it would have all been easier if he was ever willing to talk about it. So, great question. That's a very challenging one. Here's my two cents on it. Anytime you're going to begin a difficult conversation that you know is just going to be contentious, I would strongly encourage you to begin with prayer. Open the conversation with a simple prayer, asking the Lord to bring some unity and peace between the two of you. The second thing I would say is that when you are beginning this conversation, you really need to be firm about what your boundaries are. What are you willing to kind of negotiate on, so to speak? And and when it comes to finances, what does it mean to really set a budget together? I strongly encourage Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University because it gives you a, a language and a commonality. And if the two of you can do that together, Dave does a wonderful job of, of really encouraging couples uh, to be able to have these conversations and really gives you the language that you need to be able to navigate this. So hopefully he'd be willing to do something like that with you. If not, if he's not even willing to go on a Financial Peace University or to really meet you halfway, well, then you have a bigger issue at at work here. And the bigger issue is just that he's not being respectful of your boundaries and of your desires and of your wishes. And if he's not being respectful of who you are, then that requires counseling. Um, Because what is working on here are other dynamics related to lack of respect, uh, related to your own over-agreeableness and lack of assertiveness and a lack of setting firm boundaries. And those dynamics are larger than just what's going on with the finances. So that's the place where I would recommend is first and foremost, start the conversation with, with prayer. Recognize that it's going to be contentious, yes, but go into it already having some boundaries and make some specific proposals. Is he willing to go to a financial peace university? If not, then you're going to need counseling because there are larger issues that are at work here, like I said just a few seconds ago. So thank you so much for the question. God bless you. I hope that helps give you the answer. And if anybody else has questions, please click on the Ask Dr. Mario tab at faithinmarriage.org backslash always hope. God bless everybody. Be good. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Bye.